The Ability Co-op is one of the largest student activism groups in the country, promoting awareness and advocating for policy changes to make Trinity Campus an inclusive environment for students with disabilities. Despite only being established in the summer of 2020, we've already secured thousands in funding to support our projects, which include a short film we're producing, this very podcast you're listening to, a training programme we'll be introducing across the country and potentially internationally, and so much more. We're always looking for people to help out wherever they can, whether it be graphic design, social media management, videography, writing, and so much more. So if you're interested in getting involved, reach out to us. You'll find links to all our socials in the show notes below, or you can find us by simply searching for the Ability Co-op. Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of the Trinity Ability Co-op podcast. I'm your host, Harry O'Brien. In this episode, I'll be sitting down with the three candidates in the Student Union presidential campaign. Ben Cummins is a final year best student in class rep, and is involved with TES, Cumming Oil, and was JCR president two years ago. Leah Kyo graduated social work last year and is currently welfare officer, with previous experience in a number of student union positions. Luke McQuillan is a third year PPES student and current captain of the Trinity rugby team. I asked them all about why they're running, questioned their manifesto, and asked why they're best student to be president. So sit back and enjoy. So you're in final year. So if you get elected, all your buddies from your year will be gone. But why are you hanging back? Why do you want to be president? Good question. Um, yeah, it's something that I kind of t- that I toyed with for 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 a few months before I decided to run. One of the main things that led me to the decision to do it was that I knew within me that I didn't want to just stick around for the sake of sticking around for the sake of not wanting to move on from college from just, you know, dragging the bollocks out of another year. Um, this college has been everything to me for the past four years. You know, I've, 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 I've hugely benefited from kind of the, the involvement that I've had from, from, from halls through to second year in the JCR through all the way up from being on scheme and stuff like that. Um, it's allowed me to grow everyone in this college who I've met, I've, I've, I've gained something from in terms of who I am as a person, in terms of what I've learned here. Um, and, and community for me is a huge thing as well. Um, and I just want to make sure that things are allowed to reemerge and that everybody can get that experience similar to what I had uh, when I was coming up through the years. You know, yeah, all my mates are gone. That's true. Not true as well. Do you know what I mean? Like I did spend a year in halls on JCR in second year where I was engaging with younger years. That was the whole part of the job and that will be a part of the job again. Uh, so it's something that I've done. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just for a love of, 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 of this place and for what it's given me. And that's kind of the, the kind of the cheesy, kind of the cliched answer, but that's what I'm doing, man. Okay. I get you. And you're fair into startups. You're involved with the Trinity Entrepreneurship Society. Um, yeah. So startups and social enterprises are mentioned a bit in your manifesto. Where does that sure. interest come from? So the interest actually comes from a happy accident. Um, in second year, I went to the AGM for the Trinity Entrepreneurial Society to vote for a mate. And there was a position that was uncontested at the time. A couple of people ran for it on the day. I ran for it on the day. It was for a startup weekend manager. And uh, I ended up getting it. And it ended up being one of the absolute best things I ever did in college. So we ran a startup weekend with Trinity Entrepreneurial Society, kind of like a hackathon where uh, people get together 
on the very first day, they pitch really rough ideas that they have for startup businesses that they haven't created yet. Then people vote on the best ideas, they form teams and stuff like that. And then over the course of the 54 hours, the, 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 the whole weekend, um, people work together, they, they, they build a business up off the ground. Um, and, and, and it's a bunch of kind of creatives or, you know, you know, engineers and industry heads and graphic design people and stuff all coming together and solving problems and, and making something. Um, and it was an absolutely brilliant event. We had over a hundred participants with speakers from PwC, uh, from Accenture and a bunch of different sponsors. Uh, we judges, we prizes, we hosts. Um, and so I was one of the four student volunteers who organized that whole thing along with uh, Callum McDonald, who is the current president of TESS and US for UTD. Um, it was an absolutely amazing event. Uh, and it kind of, it, yeah, it, 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 it gave me an insight into, into something I've never been involved in before. And it also was something that was really tangible and, and you could see kind of people working together. It was that kind of event where, you know, people were meeting and people's skills were blending and people were kind of pursuing things that they were passionate about. And it's something that really inspired me. Um, and so you see that in the manifesto. Um, you know, I want the SU to play a role in like actively supporting stuff like that. You know, the development of students' extracurricular pursuits. I want the SU to help people in getting their own projects off the ground, whether it's, you know, startups or, you know, making a band or, or artistic projects. You know what I mean? I want to organize whatever students are passionate about themselves. Yes, you could be a brilliant outlet for, you know, helping an artist who wants to release an EP and needs a photo shoot done with a budding photographer. Do you know what I mean? Uh, 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 somebody who has a startup business but doesn't necessarily have the tools to do so to meet, you know, a graphic designer who wants to build their portfolio. I think that things like that, providing those opportunities, giving students the tools to kind of empower them and follow their own projects would be such a brilliant way to, to, to build community and build connections among students as we move forward. We already have launch boxes. We have we have mentorship programs. We have societies to help people with all this. Why should the students' union be getting involved with this? That's true, uh, and a hundred percent. These kind of things, I don't intend for them to take away from societies. I intend. I, I think that societies in the SU can coexist. For example, the startup weekend that I ran. As I said, tests were on their own in that. And so what we ended up having to do is open it up to all the other colleges in Dublin because we only had so much reach inside of Trinity. So it ended up being a, a Dublin Uni startup weekend with UCD and with ECU. And, and we actually ended up having some students come over from Manchester University, which was crazy. But I think the SU could, first of all, come up with those kind of initiatives itself, but also partner, you're, you're dead right, like partner with those societies that are already out there, like TESS, like TAF, Trinity Arts Festival, like players that already give those kinds of um, supports to students and, and, and outlets for students to express themselves. And I think that forming closer partnerships with them have, you know, imagine like a, a, a blanket event, imagine a hackathon or a startup weekend, a Trinity SU, Trinity startup weekend with, you know, Tess in there with, with Dupa, you know, the photography of society. I think that there's, 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 there's a huge potential. I think that the, the student body is, is bursting with like creativity, activism uh, and, and, and stuff like that. And, and, and Trinity, PCDSU should, should really be at the core of that and driving it all. 
and that's my outlook. So, so yeah, I, I see the incentive for the students union to get involved uh, with these things. Do you have any specific policy proposals that would for the students union to do those services? Yeah, so for example, let's take sit downs with industry professionals. It's something that uh, Ty Williams actually helped me kind of come up with this kind of policy point. Sit downs with industry professionals. Take for example, students who might be songwriters who have, haven't the fucking faintest idea of how to break into the music industry. Do you know what I mean? Bringing in people who've done that, bringing in even students even spotlighting students who are already doing it in order to inspire people, bringing in students who are successful artists on campus, who are have successful startup businesses. Look at Ty Williams, look at Oscar Blue, he's sharing a wall with me, you can hear me fucking saying all these words. Look at, you know, Trinity Startups, look at Ethicart, you know, the guys um, that are running that, it's a brilliant startup. I think that spotlighting those students, also letting people know, especially in the younger years, these are the kind of things that we can achieve as students do you know what I mean? Come to this talk, you might learn something from it. I also think that if there is the scope there, possibly some funding, maybe a grant scheme for, uh, for, for, for student creatives to have like a photo shoot done to something like that, to, to, to expand their business or their, or, their, or their brand, something like that. I think that if there is scope for that, obviously I'll have to delve deeper into the student union finances once I'm in the job. It's definitely something I'd be interested in pursuing. Is this something... Leah has a lot of institutional knowledge. So she can argue she's more effective. Is this something that's on her manifesto? Stuff about engaging and like these, engaging with them, like you said, industry professionals, helping students achieve their dreams and their goals, whatever. Uh, it's, I know she has a similar aim. She calls it her COVID comeback, where she talks about, you know, engaging with the student body. And, 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 and kind of building back community a lot uh, kind of over the course of the next year. It's not as much of a focus of her campaign as it is of mine in terms of other ways in which she engages with students. Um, nothing popped out to me in her manifesto in which I read it at a glance. Okay. okay. You mentioned a package you're going to make available to class reps to organize events and stuff. Can you explain yeah. that a bit more to me? Yeah. So what I talk about, what, what I'm talking about when I, when, I, when I say that, first of all, the thinking behind it is we've missed out on a hugely formative year in terms of the people that you meet, in terms of the support networks that you form in college. And I think that a good place to start there will be at the class level. Do you know what I mean? Meeting your classmates forming those kind of friendships first. And I think that a good way to ensure that is to support class reps in engaging with their classes, in organizing events. So, and it doesn't have to just be nights out, but it can be as well. If they go back, please God, touch wood. But it can be nights out. It can be, you know, coffee mornings, speakers or careers events. Um, it can be up to the class rep. Do you know what I mean? If they have ideas that they want to come to us with, uh, for for events that's brilliant in terms of what we will provide to them what i'm talking about is lists of venues that are suitable and accessible that you know they, they can they can make use of when looking for somewhere to host their event you know linking them to estates and facilities or to the central societies committee if they're trying to book out rooms on campus because not a lot of people know how to do that but it's very easy. You either send a, a, a 
an email to the CSE to make use of, uh, of, of rooms in the atrium, or else you send, if you want to use kind of other spaces more broadly on campus, you get in touch directly with estates and facilities. Making sure the class reps know, have the contact mm -hmm. details for where they want to go, if they want to host venues, if they want to host events and venues on campus. Also funds, again, small little packages for like catering for a coffee morning or a speaker's event. Do you know what I mean? A couple of hundred quid that a class rep can use to, 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 to organize one of these events for their, for, their, for their course. In terms of where that money is gonna come from, I think that we also need to redirect spending away from areas that don't necessarily directly enhance the student experience. I think that a blaringly obvious example is class rep training. A lot of money goes on it, is spent on it each year. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a big one or two night expenditure. It's an all the, all the class reps go to a hotel, they get all these trainings, which are valuable and, 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 and productive, but also there's a huge kind of hullabaloo involved around it and it's a big expense and it doesn't need to be spent on class reps. I think that class rep training was online this year. It worked, I attended. I think that that's something that can be continued. You mentioned in your manifesto that you would like to include mental health support as a university ranking. So like in these giant international ranking systems like QS mm -hmm. and Times Education, mental yeah. health should be, it gives, it gives a long-term incentive, you argue, to colleges to increase their mental health support. Is there yeah. any precedent at all for an SU president, a student's union president or any student activist to successfully lobby the ad uh, at a, what you call it, whatever what would you call it, a bloody, an area of consideration? Okay, oh, so like a, it's a, an index. An index, yeah, and you, you want so, to add uh, yeah, an area of consideration. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they have about seven or eight indexes that these ranking criteria is used to judge their colleges on. What we're talking about is adding an extra one. In terms of, is there any precedent for us to be able to engage with these international institutions? You're right. Maybe there isn't. What I will say that this campaign is already something that has huge momentum. There is a, it's already off the ground in the UK. Um, it's already got, I don't have the figures in front of me about, 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 about what the petition is, but or, or how many signatures it has, but it's been signed by multiple universities in the UK. It's already something that has made it into the hands of elected officials on the other side of the IRC. I think that bringing it over to Ireland, getting it off the ground here would be hugely, hugely important. Also, it's not gonna be done by just us. What I am talking about is banding together with USI and with all the other colleges in Ireland and all the other TCDSUs to get a, this campaign off the ground and to start getting a to get a petition made, start getting signatures, to get a, a, a unified approach. Because as you said, and as is in my manifesto, it gives long-term institutional incentives for students, for, sorry, for university boards to pursue expanding mental health services. Well, that, that's interesting. So this is an ongoing campaign and you'd be trying to unite not just Trinity College, but other colleges in the country to support the campaign. A hundred percent, yeah. Okay, okay. You mentioned you want to help students upskill by providing crash course workshops. These are skills that you, meant, you mentioned Photoshop, you mentioned cocktail making. I know I learned Photoshop 
just by getting involved with societies and watching YouTube videos free. People can take these cocktail making work, uh, workshops for pretty cheap. So why should the union be spending its limited resources teaching students these skills that they can learn elsewhere? Well, that's true. What I'll say to you first going off is a lot of those cocktail training courses aren't pretty cheap. They're hundreds and hundreds of euro in many cases. Uh, the cocktail and the barista one is one that I have probably the best insight into. I myself worked in the bar trade for a very long time. After about three years, it was a part-time job mine in college. Um, I have a lot of contacts and I've been in contact with reps for the different companies, for, for Jameson and Coca-Cola and stuff like that, who do a lot of these trainings for bar staff and who are also always looking to expand their presence on university campuses. So in terms of the costing of that proposal, I think there's a lot of scope to have these things sponsored. Um, uh, yeah, no, you're dead right. In some cases, there might have to be a, a, you know, a subsidized cost involved for students in terms of Photoshop. Photoshop can be learned, but it can also be, be, be taught in a, in a crash course. You know, you've had groups on campus such as Coder Dojo who've been active in the past. Um, and I think that there's, there's definitely scope for the SU to partner in publicizing those kinds of um, those kinds of services and, 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 and making initiatives where, where students can upskill and aid student employment. That's really interesting. You mentioned people sponsoring these things. I, I'd never considered that. And yeah. could you name specifically what companies and what courses they sponsor, they might, may sponsor? Jameson and Coca-Cola are two big brand reps uh, in Dublin who I know I've been, I've received multiple trainings for them when I was a bar staff. Um, you know, they, they give you the barista training, they give you the, the, the cocktail training, stuff like that. I've done cocktail training myself in college, but it was kind of a fun kind of informal event. I did it with Trinity Arts Festival last year. Um, I'm not saying that I'd be qualified to do it, but there are brand reps. As I said, a huge part of their focus is always on engaging with students, expanding their presence on universities. You know, you, you, you see often, you know, Jameson, for example, uh, always have stands in the arts block on any other year. Um, those guys are always looking to get involved with students. And I think just reaching out, you, you'll be surprised as to, as to what will be made available to you. It's really interesting. I haven't heard any other candidate mention that. I spoke to the other two. And um, you say Coca-Cola, would they sponsor cocktail mixing? Yeah. Coca-Cola is, uh, is, is, is the overarching umbrella brand for a bunch of different spirits companies, uh, such as Disserano. They own uh, all the, the Glendalock gins. Um, they own like Amaretto. They, 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 they stock a lot of bars with, you know, it's, it's, it's not just the drink Coca-Cola. Uh, they, they also have, they're also an umbrella brand for a lot of different uh, drinks brands, as is Jameson. Okay, that's really interesting. Uh, you have a pretty big manifesto. Um, if you could only achieve one thing off of it, what would it be? Supporting student endeavors. Uh, the the support networks for, for 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 people to empower people to pursue their own projects, um, creating that kind of vibrant community on campus, uh, I think, is in my head, not the most important one, but probably the one that I feel most romantically about, if that makes any sense. Do you know what I mean? It's the one that's um, kind of closest to my heart in terms of my own personal experience in college. 
I am fully aware though, however, that that experience in college is, 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 is massively different for, for all students. And so my kind of, my, my, my heart jumps to that one straight away because, you know, I love to see people getting involved in college, people kind of bringing their own kind of passions and skills to the table and people working together and creating kind of these, these movements and stuff. And it's something that I've benefited from hugely. I'm also aware though that people have different experiences in college. And I think that the inclusivity side as well is, 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 is something that definitely needs focus. Well, why, you mentioned a lot of good ideas for student engagement. Why do none of these exist in the student union already? Do you have any idea? I think that engagement has been looked at from a very narrow perspective from the student union up until now because they can only observe it in so many ways. They can only observe it in how many people are showing up to council, how many people are following the Instagram. Do you know what I mean? How many people are voting in SU elections? And so when people talk about an engagement problem, I don't think that they're really framing and kind of capturing the entire issue for themselves. Everybody has a different idea of what they want the student union to do for them. It's one of the hardest parts of the job. It's one of the hardest parts of the job. Some people are happy for their class reps to just be somebody who emails lectures, just be somebody who organizes courts nights out. Other people on the other side of the spectrum are also very politically engaged, want to see their students' union fighting for social issues. Do you know what I mean? Representing kind of... Um, the voice of the student body and making it heard. And I think that it's, it's the, the engagement issue is something that gets talked about every year, but there are really endless possibilities to engage with the student community. And I think that the ones that I have identified in my manifesto are ones that are quite unique and quite haven't been tried before. Definitely unique, definitely unique. Do you think, um, feel free to pick anything here, but you think that your your focus on helping students um, is what sets you apart from the other candidates? I think that what sets me apart from the other candidates is that I am very much a product of the Trinity community. I've been involved in a lot of different areas as I've outlined, do you know what I mean? As I've, as I've said in so, so many interviews now and so many postings, but I don't wanna just be listing off my college CV for everybody, do you know what I mean? What I'm trying to get across is that I am somebody who feels hugely grateful to have been involved in the college experience and the college community here to the extent that I have been. And I think that it gives me a unique perspective on how the union could better work for everybody, how it could involve people more. I think that that's what sets me apart from, from other candidates. It's, it's, it's that I'm just a product of this whole college and this whole student community. Do you know what I mean? The other candidates, they have vast institutional experience and they have kind of, you know, maybe, you know, Leah has vast student, you know, technical knowledge of the job. Luke 
I think is also a valuable perspective. He's very much an outsider in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that I really like um, kind of a lot of, a lot of um, what he brings to the table in terms of the, in terms of the race. But I think I, I, I kind of, I blend nicely those two sides of, you know, being involved in a lot of different areas of the college community, also not being that deep into students' union politics. I've never been a million miles away for it. You know, I've sat on union forum and stuff like that, but I've never kind of been in such a, a specific role as, to, as, as for that to be my only focus. And your engagement with the college has been obviously studying, involved with TESS, you're president of the JCR, you've lived on campus and you were in halls for two years and now you're on campus and yep. you were class rep. Am I, am I missing anything there? Um, I was also on the scheme. Uh, I was also on the, 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 the scheme Vega for two years in college. Um, the only other thing, uh, you, you've done your research. <laughs> um, the only other thing that I would say is that when I was on JCR, I sat on the union forum which is the college's official decision-making body. It's where all the, 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 the sabbats and the, the PTOs um, sit. Uh, I sat there as an, ex, as an ex-officio member as JCR president. And so I got a look in there into kind of SU decision-making at kind of one of the highest levels. Uh, so, you know, I'm not inexperienced. You know, Leah likes to say, you know, we need to, we can't spend, you know, three to six months for somebody new learning the role. Um, you know, that's all well and good. I'm not saying I'm trying to match her for union experience. You know, she's been, she's had pretty much every job in the SU that somebody can have. Um, but I am somebody who has a vast amount of experience how the SU is able to link those two things together. Okay, thanks. Okay. Thanks for sitting down with us today. Savage, thanks, Emil. Okay, Leah, thanks for sitting us down with us today. Um, you study social policy. What made you want to study social policy? Yeah, so I studied social work, but social policy was definitely part of that. Um, and yeah, good question. I suppose I wanted to work with people, first of all, um, in a caring capacity. Wasn't into science, wasn't really gravitating towards nursing or not even pure psychology. I thought social work was more hands-on on the ground. Um, and yeah, it just made sense for me. And the Trinity course and meant that I could graduate in four years rather than having to do a master's and make it five. Um, so I went for it. There was a lot of placement too, so it's quite practical, um, which I enjoyed. So you like social work for the practical work and working with people. Um, where do you think that comes from? Why do you like that? Probably a want to help. I've always gravitated towards like, um, I've always been like the caring friend or, you know, the mammy of the group and all of that. Um, and so, yeah, I've always wanted to, I suppose, help out. Um, also, advocacy is a huge part of social work and, you know, um, working with the people or working for the people you're working with um, and advocating for them, those who might not be able to advocate for themselves um, or might need a little help along the way. So I really enjoy that. So when the likes of um, probation was one of my placements and it was our job to kind of um, work with your clients and kind of Keep them out of prison where possible. Interesting. Um, I'd like to talk about your manifesto because obviously it's a big part of what you're going to be doing next year if you're elected. 
You mm -hmm. had rapid HIV testing, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That was on Owen Hand's manifesto last year and it didn't get implemented. Why will it be any mm -hmm. different for you? So there was actually a really cool initiative launched this year with HIV Ireland and they're the home testing kits for rapid HIV testing. So what happened this year was COVID interrupted any on-site testing. Um, and as a responsive measure, HIV Ireland introduced those home testing kits. And so my plan is to use a portion of the HEA funding that the union has available to it um, to source a lot of these kits and, you know, send them out as a need uh, to promote positive sexual well-being among students. Okay, and was this postal, is this a newly available thing or has this not been available this year? No, so not within the union. Um, we're in conversations now with HIV Ireland to see how we can actually source um, the kits ourselves. When HIV Ireland launched their um, service, it sold out within the first day. You know, it was to do them for a few weeks. And so we're inquiring now as to how we can get our hands on them and then how we can safely distribute them to students. Okay. Um, you mentioned on your festival as well, subsidised housing for disabled students. Um, mm -hmm. How would that work? So I've been working a lot with Declan Trainer. So he's the chair of the disability service or, you know, the, the head. And it's just, it's purely unfair that students with disabilities who have no other option um, but to live on campus and say for physical limitations or other reasons um, that they would have to, you know, pay extra. Um, often it's not a choice for them. They have to live here um, because it's not practical for them to be able to access college in and out every day, once or twice a day. Um, and so I just thought there needs to be more done. Um, and so it's, it's conversations we're having now and something that I would love to see implemented um, further down the line. Okay, and this would be a, on an as-need basis, you'd apply for special consideration. Exactly, yeah. So at the moment, you can apply for special consideration, um, but it's not subsidised. And so they're not taking into account that this is a need and not a want, um, like other students. So all students who get accommodation on campus through special consideration, they would get it subsidised? Mm -hmm. Um, all, that's the plan. That's the pitch that I want to make to the accommodation service because at the moment, um, their students are paying full whack um, for a decision that um, they haven't had much say in. Okay, interesting. Um, you're welfare officer for the past year. Um, no SU officer, as long as I've been here, that I know of has successfully run for another SU officer role. Do you fear that you could be setting a precedent where people who want to become president president will go, oh, I'll run for one of the smaller positions. I could even run uncontested. And that you could be like introducing more politics into the SU, which is the last thing it needs. Oh, that's actually a really good question and something I haven't given much thought to. And um, because as you said, it's not done and hasn't been done in a very long time. The last time someone did welfare to president was 2003, Annie Gatling. And before that, 1990, Ivana Bacic. So um, I suppose they didn't set a precedent. So if that's something to go off of, um, now that I'm in the role, I can see why people don't rerun. It's an all-consuming year. Do you know, people 
who pay or the praise that they get. Um, you have to run on a platform of passion if you're going to rerun. That has to be what drives you um, because it's the only thing that will get you through. And so um, I don't think it would necessarily um, spark that kind of turnover or, you know, people to run for the wrong reasons because if you're running for the wrong reasons, you won't last the year in the job. That's interesting. Um, you're going to need to explain this to me now. As welfare officer, because I was going through other manifestos and Dylan, who's running for welfare, had okay. this in his manifesto. He was, he was going to continue something that you were doing last year, which is recording casework in anonymized form. Can you explain to me, like in three three parts, what was that, what it entailed, and why you did it? Okay. Yep. So this was something that I introduced as part of my manifesto last year. So what I realized was that the welfare officer specifically deals with an awful lot of casework. You know, students come to them with their concerns around reasonable accommodations and um, financial assistance and lots of other different things like that accommodation. And basically, um, there was no data to, I suppose, um, account for this. And I thought, what better way um, to make an argument to college than to have this solid data behind it? Um, so we do have a casework kind of reporting tool that we can anonymously record data. And so I've been filling that in constantly this year. And so what I'll do then at the end of this year is collate that and have all of these targets for next year. So we can go to the college and say, listen, 50% of students are struggling financially. We need to introduce A, B and C bursaries or um, if we're introducing campaigns, campaigns is a big part of a welfare role and also a presidential role. The president oversees all campaigns um, that these this report can inform campaigns because there's no point in us shooting in the dark and kind of doing what we've always done um, if it's not working, if it's not reaching the students. And so I think it's time that we start working on stats. Um, and so that's what I introduced and that's why I introduced it. That's really interesting. Um... If you're elected, you'll be around five years older than the incoming first years. Um, what is it? What is it about the job of president that's um, that you don't want to get out into the real world? What, what is it about the job that you want to do? Yeah, good question. Because a lot of people have asked me this. They're like, why don't you just go on and use your degree? I'm lucky that I have the professional accreditation that I could become a social worker tomorrow and be on triple the pay I'm on at the moment. Um, or there's a lot of masters I'm interested in and a lot of, a lot I want to do. Um, but having been in this job this year, there's so much more to do. And I've only now started to get a grasp of how the systems work. You know, the college bureaucracy is so dense and it takes a long time for any incoming sabbatical officer to wrap their head around it. And I just feel like college relies on the naivety every year. And if we were able to hit the ground run, you know, fast forward to those three months that presidents take to kind of, you know, find their feet, um, we would be in a much better position. I suppose there's a legacy to leave here. Um, and particularly with the incoming provost, I think it's important that someone who knows their stuff um, is part of those conversations early. Yeah, you said you know your stuff and you, you're definitely the most experienced of the three candidates. I spoke to Luke, um, your opponent. I asked him, what does he have ahead of you? He says, oh, he's a fresh face. What could you like explain specifically for people like me who with no student union experience, how that how the experience that you have will help you serve people better as president? 
Yeah, well, I would say the institutional knowledge, first of all, you know, I'm still learning. There's always more to learn, particularly in colleges, dense bureaucratic systems, as I was saying, and as everyone else knows. Um, but I do think I've had a head start because I've been in this job for seven months and I've eat, slept and bred SU politics, college bureaucracy. I currently sit on college board. I'm part of the conversations. I know what's going on, what has to be done, how it can be done. Um, and that kind of thing. And then on the fresh face thing, absolutely. Like, it's fantastic that we see turnover every year and that, you know, we breathe new life of the union. But I think every now and again, we need that crossover, the continuity to get those projects over the line. Like the student centre we've been paying for since 2018. House 6 currently isn't accessible and it's something on everyone's radar every single year. And I think it's time that we actually start, um, yeah, meeting the promises we're making. And we're at a really critical point now, and um, particularly with COVID and COVID recovery, that um, it's a prime time for change. And college has made promises to us now and, you know, fulfilled different things that we've been asking for for years. Um, lecture content is now available online. There are grants for students and placements, things like that. Um, I need to make sure that we keep the pressure on and that we can maintain these things when COVID ends, that they're not just short term measures that our team kind of achieved and then lost because a new team of Sabats came in um, and the rug was kind of pulled from under them. If you could only achieve one thing from your manifesto, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question because there's so much I want to do, but to achieve one thing, um, like my main focus is quality student experience. Like I want to continue to evoke change that students can see and can feel. So my main priority is student services. I don't think students should have to go out of their way to engage with the SEO. I think they pay for us three euro every year and we're in fully paid positions that our job should be providing that service without even having to, without students having to even ask for it. They need to be able to just feel the benefits. So what I've done this year, say, is stock all the bathrooms with period products um, so that students have free access to period products on campus. Um, we've also introduced three fee installments instead of two, you know, to take that financial pressure a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, my priority is providing um, student services and um, quality student services for all students. Okay. Um, final question. Luke, Luke, he's proposed that he's a fresh face. Ben, I suppose, would come somewhere between you, yourself and Luke in terms of that. What is it that sets you apart from Ben and Luke and makes you the best candidate for president? Other than the institutional knowledge and the fact that I've been, um, I suppose, part of this world for the last year, I've been welfare officer, I've had my ears to the ground. Um, it's been an intense year for student welfare. Um, and it's really my casework has given me a sense of what students are going through, the isolation and all of that. So I feel like I really have a good sense of the issues that students are facing now and what needs to be done to alleviate that. Um, and then more than that, the passion, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, this isn't a job that you can go into um, for a second time. I think a lot of people go into these roles to kind of springboard into other things or politics and stuff. That not what I want to do long term at all. Human rights, social justice, equality um, of access to education, all of that is central to the work I want to do. That's why I studied social work. And so I hope that comes across um, to students when they cast their vote on March 8th. Uh, could you explain this to me? Because 
you mentioned institutional knowledge. How does having a president with institutional knowledge help the student? So I would say institutional knowledge gives the president an advantage because they have a sense of how things work. And so if they want to evoke change, they know exactly how to go about it. Um, for example, I want to introduce a prayer and reflective room on campus so that um, you know, students of all faiths and none can come together um, to foster interculturalism, you know, to have a space for themselves. Um, and it's been something on everyone's radar for the last few years. But now I'm in the role, I know exactly how we have to go about it. I've secured a room with the help of the disability service. Um, I know that it has to go to to get, you know, um, permission. Um, I now know it's a gap in the market because I've been here. So I think it definitely gives you an insight that institutional knowledge as to what issues are going on and then what solutions um, we can kind of pose to solve them. That's really interesting. I really hope you're successful with that uh, mindful meditation room because I, I definitely use that. Listen, Leah, thanks for sitting down with us. You're very good. Not at all. Thanks for having me, Harry. Right. Luke, Mac, do people call you Mac? Uh, yeah, people call me Mac. It's kind of Marcus. like, a, yeah, Mac is yeah, kind of common enough. Fair enough. Um, so, Mackers, you're, you're, you're captain of the rugby team. You're studying PPS. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you're a 1 1 student. You don't need to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just going to guess. Uh, but... I'm going to actually correct you. I'm, I, I struggle terribly with dyslexia, so I would not consider myself a 1 1 student at the slightest. You know, I'm very happy. I know it's not great, but I'm like if I pass, I'm terrifically happy. Like I'm so proud because I've got, I've come so far with everything that like just with dyslexia and doing a course that's so heavily involved with reading, I'm kind of like you know head above water just about. I'd love I'd love to be getting the one ones, but I can say that's not a grade that comes on my sheet more often. Okay, I get you. I get you. We'll talk. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you seem to have your play full with the bloody rugby, and the SMF, and the PPES. Um, PPS with dyslexia can't be easy. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you've had no engagement whatsoever at all with the students' union. You've been on a subcommittee. You, you haven't been out to volunteer, for, correct me if I'm wrong. Why do you suddenly want to run the whole thing? I, I think that the reason I haven't been on it is, I'll be honest, I, I never really knew what the student union was about. And I think this year, with kind of the boredom of sitting at home and I was like, you know, what does the student union do? And I started reading up on it. I read through the constitution. I read through all this. And I thought there's so many students that would have been in my position that don't have an idea that, you know, that I, I saw it as like, you know, you're paying a subscription for something you're not getting any benefit out of. Like you're paying for Netflix for someone else to watch it. And I thought, you know, like this has to be changed somewhat. Like people are literally spending money each year towards the student union, yet they're not getting any involvement in it. And I thought that like, I thought, you know, someone who's already been always involved when it's kind of hard them saying that like, oh, you can get involved, but someone that comes from a background of not being previously involved and by trying to get involved and trying to push and trying to engage people, it shows that really anyone can do it. And I, I think it bridged the gap between the people contributing towards the student union and those who don't. Okay, okay. So you, you want to, and that's actually one of your main pledges is to set up these clear lines of communications. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 and I, I also feel that the student union shouldn't just be the policies of one person, the president or an elected official. I, I have it in my manifesto that like 
people should be able to come forward and bring their own policies and ideas to the president. And the president works on behalf of the students and their ideas, along with his, his own or his, her own ideas. Okay. Do you think you could do that if you were comms officer or if you were some other like gender equality officer, some part-time officer? What, what is it about president? I, I think the, the president was, you know, it's the role of leadership in the college and the role, if, it, if it's, this comes from the absolute top of the student union down, I think it would be a lot more beneficial. I could be wrong, but I'm going to try in any way and prove. Okay, okay. You said you're dyslexic earlier. Um, PPES, as far as I know, is a lot of writing. Why did you study PPES? Um, I love challenges. I love people telling me you can't do something. Because I think, I don't know, I was told my whole life, you know, oh, for instance, I was told, you know, you probably shouldn't do history for the leaving cert. You're probably not going to get a good grade in it because there's a lot of writing, there's a lot of reading, you're not going to do well in it, you're dyslexic, you know, do something else. And I, I, I hate when people say, and when people say you can't do something because of a disability, and that's what strives me to do PPS. You know, I looked it down and I remember my career guidance counsellor was saying, God, you know, there's going to be some amount of reading and long nights. And I was like, yeah, but like, I want the challenge. I want to be able to prove that like, I can do this regardless of what I have. Would you not have picked something that you're good at? I think I think by working on your weaknesses, I, I, don't, I don't like saying that you're good at one thing. I like saying that, like, I'm not bad at reading. I struggle with it, but I'm not bad at it. And I think by someone saying, would you not pick something you're good at? It's like, you know, why don't do that? I, I had a love of philosophy. I had a love of politics. I had a love of economics. I might not be good at them, but why not do something because I'm not good at it? Why do something that I enjoy? Like, I enjoyed, I might struggle doing the readings, but I enjoy them every day. So if that makes sense. Yeah, I get you. I get you. You don't have to be good at something to enjoy it. Yeah, like you uh, don't have to be good. Like, you know, you can take you can take the route that like, you know, you're good at it. And you and you know, many people go to college because they're good at something. I went to it. I went to do this course because I really enjoyed philosophy and I really enjoyed politics and I really enjoyed economics. And I was like, why do something that I'm not going to really enjoy? Because if you enjoy something, you never work a day in your life. So I was like, if I enjoy doing this. Yeah, it's going to be hard. There's days I'm going to be up like up all night trying to understand it. But if I enjoy it at the end of the day and it's something I enjoy, I couldn't see myself doing anything else in college. You, you're dyslexic. You've worked a bit. Well, you've interacted with this disability service as a student with a disability. How do you believe the student union could work with the disability service and with the ability co-op? So uh, the Ability Corp, and I've worked with the Disability Service since day one, like just on my own personal grounds. I think, um, sorry, could you repeat that question one time? Sorry. So how, how, how do you think the Student Union could work with the Disability Service and the Ability Corp? Okay, well, a small thing was, like, there is still kind of like a social stigma around, you know, disabilities. And I was like, these kind of have to be tackled, like, there have been instances where people are like, oh, sure, he's dyslexic, you know, and it's kind of like you have to laugh it off. It's a bit of a joke. And, you know, yeah, like it happens with some of my best friends, like, oh, try and spell that, stuff like that. And, you know, it is a joke, but there is somewhere deep down where that does hit you, that does like, and if, if, if it's happening for me, I'm sure it's happening for other people in the college. There is kind of still of a stigma around, oh, you know, you don't do your exams in the RDS. Oh, why do you do that? Like, why don't you do your exams in the RDS? Stuff like that. And it's like, kind of like, 
people see it as like, ah, oh, it's, it's nothing too much, but there is still kind of, I, I feel in my position and I'm sure there's others that still feel it kind of like an embarrassment that, yeah, no, I don't do my exams in the RDS. And yeah, I do need a little bit of extra time in my exams. And I think to tackle these kind of stigmas around, there is no problem if you need an extra 10 minutes. There is no problem if you need a computer. There is no problem if you need extra time. Like, I think tackle these kind of stigmas would make it, a lot of people sometimes feel like, you know, you're standing outside the resource room, the disability service, and you kind of feel, oh, people are looking at me, I'm going in here. And we need to tackle that social stigma. There is no problem to reach out for support. There is no problem if you have, you know, something that you need help with. You know, everyone needs help at some part of their life. And, you know, we need to cut out that, oh, by asking for help, I'm weak, I'm vulnerable. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. It's a sign of strength looking for help. Uh, how specifically could the union work with the students' union to clamp down on that stigma and try and eliminate it? You know, just hosting events to eliminate stigma, to show that, like, you know, I'm just going to give my example because, you know, my example is the one I know the best, but I'd love to learn other people. I'd be proud to learn other people's, what, what the struggles they go through, like, you know, with their uh, disabilities. Um, You know, show people that, yeah, no, dyslexic people can read. They can't, they just don't see you know, alphabet soup that's so often depicted, things like that, you know, encourage that, like, you know, they, they see the exact same as you. Like, there is no difference in how they see. Or, you know, for other disabilities, show that, like, there is no reason they can't do a certain thing. And by encouraging that on social media, you know, maybe hosting events that, like, encourage people with disabilities to, like, come forward and get engaged in college. If that's, you know, there's, I'm sure there are people out there that need this, need academic supports and aren't doing it just purely on the social stigma. And that's something that really needs to change because the supports are there and the supports are great when you get involved with them. One of your most prominent, I'd say it's your most prominent from judging from your manifesto and your most prominent campaign pledge is that you wish to set up clear and direct lines of communication to all groups and societies within the college. Can you expand a bit more on w- what that actually means and how you, you're going to do that? So, yeah, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. And, you know, in September, we don't know. I'd love if we're all on college campus. It may not happen with public health guidelines. It might not. But if we weren't something like a Discord server where everyone, anyone can jump in at any time and have set times throughout the day and during the evening, because I think sometimes by having everything during the day, you know, people have lectures, people have things that they have to attend. So sometimes evening time, you know, after six, most societies run events after six. So they run them like six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine. I think that needs to be a time that needs to be more looked into because by having them on during the day, like if you have a double, like, you know, if you're in a double lecture from one to two, from 12 till two, you've missed the lunch break that they might be, someone might be hosting an event. So items on like Discord or stuff, or then drop in coffee if we were to be lucky to be on campus in September. But then again, I'm in no control to say we'll be on campus in September. So you talk about setting up a Discord server and hopefully a drop in coffee. What do you mean by that? Just setting up a server for what? A place where clear lines of communication where I'd be online and people would be able to ask me questions and bring forward ideas at certain times and publicize that these times are available all the time and that anyone can reach me. So you yourself would be available for a couple of hours in the evening. Yeah, and have it scheduled, and you know, have it have it scheduled that it will be a weekly thing, and that I'm available like at these hours each week, 
anyone can come by. I would still have hours on during the day, but I think just maybe having nighttime hours would be more beneficial to some students. So you'd be looking at doubling your, your drop-in office hours? Doubling and doubling or you know moving them around to make them more accessible to everyone. Okay, okay. Um, you mentioned earlier you love economics, so I don't need to tell you that that in the long term, rent caps, they reduce the supply of housing in an economy. On your manifesto, you advocate for caps on private student accommodation. As a student of economics, can you explain to me how this isn't going to make the problem worse in the future? So, yeah, if you look at the future, there's, there's a lot of planning permissions going to Dublin City Council for private, extra private student housing. So that will increase the supply. So thus far, if the supply increases and demand, there's no more, like, there is no, like, Trinity isn't going to be expanding as rapidly over the next time, over the next number of years. Like, if there's going to be a more of a supply, how can the price increase? So, you know, as supply goes up, price falls. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and you, on your manifesto, you advocate for rent caps, which would reduce supply. So I'm yeah. saying, is, is that not going to make the problem worse in the long term? So in the long term, uh, in the long term, you know, Trinity in the long term, if we're talking long term, you know, I, I'm only looking, I'm introducing rent caps for this foreseeable future to address this problem until there's, because realistically, is the student union going to be able to fix this problem without support of the Irish government, first of all, that housing isn't just an issue for students, it's housing across the board. Uh, in the long term, yes, by introducing caps, it could produce that in the long term, but we have to t tackle this now. And in the long term, this is a government objective to reduce housing. So oh, it's not just the power of the student union, this is, this is the power of, if we introduce a cap now, we can halt the rising of houses until the government addresses this problem that they have said they'll try to address it for many years. Okay. Um, you have a senior manifesto. If you could only achieve one thing on your manifesto, what would it be? One thing on my manifesto. Take your time. <sighs> See, I, I would hate to say just one thing and like, you know, prioritize one group over another group. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't want to do that. Um, I don't know, can I prioritize? There, there's because there's so many important things in the manifesto. Well, you have to, does it go into your head? You can only pick one. It would definitely be one from my support policy, definitely. Anyone in particular? Honestly, they're all issues that are also close to my heart. I honestly, I take the bullet eye at this stage. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> they're all they're all things that I'm, I'm so vocal about. I wouldn't be able to just say, oh, like I would hate just to say, oh, this is the only one. This I to prioritize one over the other. Okay, okay, okay. Um. Leah and Ben, two fine candidates, but more students you didn't experience than you. What sets you apart from them and makes you the best candidate to represent students as president? I think what sets me apart is it's a fresh face. There's fresh ideas with my policy. If you look through my manifesto, I've looked through the two other manifestos, there seems to be a lot of ideas that I have that doesn't seem to be fully covered in their ideas. Things that have kind of, 
you know, I don't see anything about student spaces in the Hamilton, for instance, location-based timetabling, uh, the student levy, you know, we've been paying 122 euro for a gym that's been closed for most of the time. Like, I think these are issues that haven't been addressed in their two manifestos. And I think this new, fresh, new idea, new, new fresh face on the student union might be the right thing. The college is currently in a funding crisis. They're facing a huge deficit from the lack of income from accommodation, from on-campus services, from international students. How are you going to convince the Provost to eliminate or reduce the student contribution? Uh, so eliminate or reduce. I'm looking at um, a refund for the gym being closed for the past year. Uh, you know, in the last 12 months, the gym has been closed for over six of those months. We've paid 122 euro in those months towards this gym. If we were a member of a private gym, we'd be getting our money back or we'd have our membership uh, paused like many gyms in Dublin and the country have done while they've been closed. I'd like to address that, why this hasn't been arranged. Okay. I like, I don't, I don't know which you get much benefit out of going to the gym, but, uh, you know, 122 euro is quite a large money it's over a 12 10 euro a month that the gym's been closed for and this is now two academic you know two subscriptions towards the gym that we've paid where it's been closed for some of that time okay. and i think it's something that hasn't been looked at and you know when it came to my attention i was like you know if i was in you know, if I was in a private gym, I'd be going nuts over, you know, not getting any money back from a closure of a facility that I've been paying towards. So I think this just needs to be addressed. Okay. All right, we'll leave it there. So there we have it, guys. That's the episode. Fair play, Jeff, listening. Those are the three candidates. Be sure to register before the 8th. It literally takes two seconds to fill out. You put in your student number, your name. It's on every single candidate's social media. So yeah, do that. Um, listen, about what I said at the start, we really do have so much going on at the Ability Co-op. We're growing so fast. And all these projects, like this podcast, I just mentioned it at a meeting. And everyone else was like, yeah, go on, go ahead. And then I applied for funding and I got it. And we got a couple hundred euros for funding. We're getting a studio next year. The short film, again, we, um, that was someone else proposed that idea. And we got a few grand for that. So we're doing that this summer. Um, so if you're interested in getting involved in any creative way, um, come in, get involved. And... You can propose ideas and we'll probably support you. So yeah, and literally we need people with all skills, be it maths, numbers, you know, writing content, managing social media, building websites, literally anything you can think of, we need help. So do join if you're interested. You'll find links to all our socials in the show notes or you can just look up the Ability Co-op. And yeah, hope you enjoyed. Listen, we have two more episodes on education officer and welfare officer. So give them a listen to, they're very good. And yeah. Peace.